How are you doing, Ed? I'm very good, thank you. I'm doing better than Shergar, who took one full on the nose. You know what I loved about that? You know, I'm not, not, not that I'm condoning horse violence of any kind, of course. But it, it's not just the punch. It's the, it's the way the, the Newcastle fan gives him the, the, the kind of come on sign. Go on, I'll have you. Go on, let's be having you. Come on. And then, before punching Shergar, he gives him a sarcastic round of applause. That is it. That is the great moment in that whole thing. I don't know if it was actually directed at the horse, but it was drawn to my attention by the wonderful at Matt Savage 7. Uh, yeah, a, a full on sarcastic. Oh, yeah, very good horsing, top quality horsing. The son, of course, went with Geordie Horse Puncher is on disability benefits, which is like, if only he was an immigrant, they would have hit the absolute jackpot there. Oh, yes, a, a, a cracking story. Uh, but of course, that was that was the story that kind of dominated the weekend's headlines in a way, wasn't it? You know, trouble in the FA Cup semi-final, trouble between Newcastle and Sunderland fans. British football in meltdown. Shocker. Perhaps it will be kicked out of Europe, you know. I mean, not just in the legitimate fashion that all English clubs are being kicked out of Europe at the moment, but, you know, by the powers that be in Michel Platini's house. Uh, yes, um, I guess the, I don't know if it really marks a new resurgence of football violence, a bunch of Millwall fans punching each other, I'm ha- not sure that's a thing that's stopped happening, is it? Well, no, I mean, I guess that's just what they do in the estates of Newham, or, or wherever, but I mean, talking of football violence, Andy Carroll versus David De Gea, that wasn't just a red card, well, I can't believe people are justifying this, these were two red cards, it was so, um, so much violence. And talking of violence involving Geordie horses, you mean? <laughs> da dum. At EWHK70 asks, would you rather fight a horse-sized Geordie or a Geordie-sized horse? You know, I was thinking that moments after I saw that footage of the, the Geordie punching Shergar. Yeah. He wasn't actually called Shergar, he was called like Dobbin or something. <laughs> yeah. Bud. Bud, yeah. that's it. Bud. Also known as Shergar on this show. The moments after he punched Shergar, I was thinking, this is the Twitter question waiting to happen. <laughs> If you could punch any horse, who would it be and why? Uh, obviously, it's Geordie-sized horse, because I can't see any advantage to punching a horse-sized Geordie, as David De Gea found out, much to his chagrin. Chagrin? Wasn't wasn't that the winner of the derby last month? <laughs> yeah, then he went missing the day after, or have I got this muddled up? Listen, Ed, I would be remiss, whilst we're talking about the troubles of the world, not to point out that a rather joyous moment has befallen the world, as Manchester United's next hot central midfielder, Young Eric was born this week. I understand that you've taken the executive decision that uh, us and all the podcast listeners would not think is a good idea of not calling your newborn son Eric. What is all that about? Yeah, well, see, it works like this. I I may have suggested Eric and variants of other United-related names. The moment I turned my back and left the hospital for a second or a few hours... All of the midwives were given a different name, a non-United-related name, and uh, when I came back, it was basically set in stone. So that's how it works. You can have an opinion, but basically you don't make the decision, which is probably fair enough after you've spent the best part of the day trying to squeeze a melon-sized thing out of a lemon-sized hole. Ed, joking aside, I know that I speak on behalf of the listeners when I offer a very, very heartfelt congratulations on the birth of little baby Harvey. And of course, it is a United-related name because, as we all know, the wonderful Musa Okwanga at Okwanga christened Robin Van Persie the wolf midway through this season because he came on to save us so often after the wolf in Pulp Fiction who is played by Harvey Keitel. So we know that secretly the kid's named after Robin Van Persie and that seems 
This is true. This is true. It's a secret between me and you and 10,000 listeners. <laughs> so are, are, you, are you coping all right? Have you managed to watch the football? I have. In fact, little Harvey has watched United v Stoke and United v West Ham. And he cried both times. And I think it's because he didn't like the aesthetic around the football. You know, I've, I've been teaching him the tiki-taka sensibilities, which, you know, I'm so often criticised for promoting. And, uh, and he saw all this long ball nonsense and he, and he had a good cry about it. I don't blame him. Um, he was two days old when we beat Stoke 2-0, but my theory that we would therefore beat West Ham 5-0 proved to be uh, a load of old bunkum, as as one may well have rightly predicted that it would, because as about everyone in the world said, uh, that would mean we'd beat Arsenal about 30-0 or something. So let's go back to that game against Stoke, and Rooney in the full Skulls role alongside Carrick in centre midfield was an interesting one. Funny thing, uh, you know, just to digress a little, the, the little one's a little bit ginger, got to say, you know, maybe strawberry blonde, and and he's quite small, and he's, you know, I've had a look at his feet, and they look pretty good. <laughs> Next midfielder. He scores goals galore in 20 years. Indeed. Yeah, so Stoke away, and, and actually not a bad performance from United, was it? I mean, you know, I guess you'd go with a cliched professional, so pretty solid, scored a Stoke-style goal so early on, which, which helped, of course, you know, scrappy goal from the set-piece, and after that, United weren't really in much trouble. No, although the, there was a feeling that second-half syndrome might be setting in. I mean, it, it's worth saying, the wind in that game played a very, very, very significant factor, didn't it? Because it was, it was blowing an absolute gale, and the ball kept sort of holding up in mid-air and sort of rolling backwards as it hit the ground. It did. I mean, of course, the solution to that is to play it on the deck, <laughs> of course. But yeah, it was a real, it was a real problem for everyone, and 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 I don't think having a win behind your back really helps actually, because you know it just means you blast the ball out of uh, play all the time. It didn't help Stoke, I don't think. And you, you'd think as a, a team that plays the percentages most of the time that that it would have done. And so no, it didn't help anyone. Real real mess. One real bonus that came out of their game: David de Gea. You know, commanding, solid. Didn't look at risk at all. It looks like he. He's really grown up. De Gea, De Gea. Why isn't that happening? Why is that not happening yet? Everybody, please do whatever you can to make that happen. He's brilliant. He's just brilliant and he's getting better. And he was good again against West Ham when he was getting poleaxed by Andy Carroll. He just looks strong, confident. The the thing that we all thought would happen, which is that if there was no doubt that he was definitely number one, he would grow and flourish and start coming to claim crosses and all that stuff. And he's just been doing exactly that. Indeed. Another major talking point, I suppose. Shinji Kagawa started and finished a game. How often does that happen? Not very. No, um, he didn't have a magic game, um, but he's playing out of position, everybody. I don't don't know if you've heard us talking about this, you know, every week for the last six months or whatever, but he, he's not as good when he plays on the left as he is at number 10. Look, you know, maybe Fergie will understand this. He, he's bought a jump horse and he's, and he's running him on the flat. Or the other way around. Yeah, uh, there was one point at when he just sort of drifted inside and he ended up, you know, beating three players and winning a really dangerous free kick just outside the box. I, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think next season is the thing I am... Even if we sign Falcao in the summer... We're not going to sign Falcao in the summer. Even if we sign Falcao in the summer, the thing I'll be most excited about next season is Shinji Kagawa. Well, I would be, but you know what? I, I honestly don't believe that Ferguson really knows how to play him. 
Jay wrote a piece on the blog yesterday in which he said maybe this is a permanent move. Maybe Ferguson's got something in mind that he thinks Kagawa can give, which is that kind of outside to in, the kind of Andreas Iniesta role uh, for Barcelona when he plays on the left. I mean, he mixes it between the centre and the left, doesn't he, Iniesta? And Iniesta's very, very good at that. And Zidane played for a lot of his career as well off the left and coming inside as the playmaker. And it, and it gives you, it opens out the field for you, you know? And and there's an argument to say that. Of course, you know, I I disagree, to be honest, but I, I think really Ferguson just doesn't know how to play him. I think um, he's got a team that he's set up to play wide all the time. He can't work out how to play him in the hole. He can't fit three players into two positions, Van Persie, Rooney and Kagawa. And so he's compromised and compromised uh, Kagawa heavily by shifting him out to the left. I think he's about 75% of the player that he was at Dortmund, and I'm not sure it will change. So I'd be excited if I believed that there would be that change, and I don't at the moment. I, I think you might be right, but we just might see it more often. And and of course, it all depends on the thing that we'll no doubt come to, uh, because every Twitter question is about this, the Rooney speculation. And, you know, if, if he's not here next year, it all looks very different, obviously. I think he will be probably, but whatever. I don't really know anything. The Stoke game... Worthy of mention, I thought Van Persie smashed his goal drought in really impressive fashion. I think the you know there's something about that situation where the ball is literally blowing off the spot, so he, he's delayed. He has to kind of respot the ball a couple of times. We're one nil up, and we we you know we've been on a really poor run of form. The narrative's shifting as much as the ball is in the wind at the moment. You know, it's, it, there's a lot of pressure on that moment, and he's been in a goal drought for 12 hours, and he just absolutely hit a beautiful penalty. And I, I think that was a real exhibition of class in under incredible pressure. Yeah, right. I mean, his goal drought has been terrible. The goals are coming though. So look, uh, it couldn't have been more composed. Right, and that's exactly what you expect of him. He's not always been composed in the in recent times. I thought it was tiredness. Um, apparently, he's been telling Ferguson that he's not tired and he wants to keep playing. Right, and it looked to me like he'd lost some edge. But but the goal that was taken away at Sunderland and and then the penalty at Stoke and then the debatable goal against West Ham has has kind of ended that, hasn't it? And you know, I think he could go from here and score five or six more goals before the end of the season, and and that will be a very 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 good season for United indeed yeah and i mean it's already a very very good season you just get another one in there right oh no you, you gave it two very so it's already a very good season and you'll get get up to two varies what i really should have said is again to fall jamie read that mode and say it was a top top season top top yeah. top top season from top player and top top player maybe even a top 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 player frankly oh, by the way stoke were absolutely rubbish really terribly awfully rubbish they really deserve to go down they were complete and utter dross against us i thought yes they were they played crap football uh, they're a crap team and they appear to have lost their one thing they had going for them which was the ability to do something from set pieces and play the percentages you know? yeah and of course like in on the subject of the relegation battle the reason that uh, all those horses got brutally punched in the face was because some fascists stormed into town and stole the victory from the tune or whatever uh, Paolo Di Canio single-handedly scoring three absolute belters or that's what it would appear from the touchline my favourite moment of that was when at the end of the match all the players were on the pitch running over to the away fans and Di Canio ran up behind them and uh, fans started singing his name and he's like no 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 I'm pointing at the players it's all about the players it's not about me I've just kind of come over here to soak up this thing and then I made it all about me when all the goals went in and clearly I think it's all about me 
Yeah, I mean, he's got them organised, but then again, the trains ran on time during World War Two, didn't they, in Italy? Yeah. Not that the things are connected in any way, I just thought I'd draw that analogy. Yeah. yeah. Good luck to him. <laughs> no, no, not a good luck to him. No. Let's kick fascists out of football, isn't it? Of course he's not a fascist. Not anymore. Is he, is he back to being a racist now? <laughs> no, no, no. He never was one of them. He's back to being a lovable character now, after that. Well, I mean, Sunderland, they're still, they're still in deep trouble, right? You know, they're, they're 34 points, same stake, same as Villa. Wigan got two games in hand. One of that lot, those four, are probably going down, right? You know, and, and, well, and, and Norwich and Newcastle are, are sort of within it. Maybe it depends on and how we can do right. You know, so it's it's all to play for still. Maybe they'll get the boost. Could be really funny if if Stoke learn from this and go and sack Pulis and and uh, take their chances on five games to go and see whether they can get anything out of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's funny to see the Stoke fans turning on Pulis. It is outrageous how he's taken their club to you know comfortable Premier League position for a few seasons. On it, you know, it's ridiculous. Anyway. Well, it happens all the time, you know, punish for your own success. I mean, it's the same with the teams that come up from the championship next season. Those managers will be under severe pressure already. Yeah, absolutely. Talking of managers under severe pressure, one who isn't is Big Sam Allardyce, who, but for an offside goal, would have had a famous, wonderful victory or something like that, he said. Well, maybe he would have done, yeah. Or, or maybe United would have kicked into another gear and because and, they, frankly, looked quite complacent, I thought, the last 15 minutes or so. So may, maybe, uh, or maybe not, you know. Interesting, interesting this one, because, you know, you do have to get into the nuances of the offside law here, because first phase, Van Persie's not active, right? Uh, he becomes active when he touches the ball. Well, of course, that second phase, and it's come off a defender. Now, the interpretation uh, of this, and it's not actually in Law 12, but the interpretation of it is that uh, it has to be a pass from the defender. That was some of the written guidance given by FIFA a few years ago, you know, and it's, it's taken deflection, not a pass. But, you know, there's some subtle nuances in that one. Uh, yeah, especially since the deflection probably stopped it being a goal in the first place. So does that make it a new phase of play? No, it doesn't. He was offside. But, you know, we get them from time to time in our favour, just as we get them against us. It all evens out in the end, as they so clichédly say every time stuff like that happens. D- does it? Does it even out in the end? Does it? I mean, yeah, of course, you know, after Andy Carroll didn't receive the two red cards, or perhaps even three red cards that he should have got for the heinous challenge. I haven't seen a challenge that bad since, you know, Harold Schumacher, the German goalkeeper on the French forward in the 1982 World Cup. And Patrick Battistano. That's him. Broke his neck and didn't get a yellow. Not even a foul, I don't think. Just goes to show that David De Gea is double hard these days. De Gea with new De Gea, De Gea. I'm not going to do this every week, just just a one-off. A lovely new haircut from David De Gea. I thought it suits his little face quite well. Well, he's gone from being like llama or uh, whatever animal we decided he was to being kind of teddy boy. It's looking a bit 50s now, you know. Heidi, hi, campers. He's a big rocker, isn't he, David He's into his Metallica and all that sort of thing. So maybe he's just acknowledging the birth of rock and roll with his, with his hairdo. He's a big rocker, but he's, uh, he's dating a pop princess. Is he? Who's he going out with? I think she called it Dernay or something. like. I, to be honest, I thought Dernay was those little soybeans that you got in a sushi place. But, you know. That's Edamame, Edward. I bet she's tasty, though, isn't she? There's no way she can be as, as good for you as Edamame beans. Very nutritious. Who, who is she, then? Where, where does she do her pop princessing? She, she's a Spanish pop princess type princess. 
Makes sense. So long as she doesn't persuade him to move back to Madrid, I'm happy. If if Dave's happy, I'm happy, Ed. That's how it works, I think. So the West Ham game, uh, apart from being having our goalkeeper nearly murdered, incidentally at the end of that game, David Hay had a very manly hug for Andy Carroll, uh, something which Nemanja Vidic refused whilst gesturing with his elbow to suggest, no, I do not forgive you for your elbowing. I believe you to be an elbower. But De Gea doesn't care. He'll just hug anyone. Yeah, well, maybe he needed a hug after that. He's feeling a bit fragile after getting beaten up all game. Of course, of course, Carol did get booked for elbowing uh, De Gea after he didn't get booked for trying to kill him. At Mango underscore Carrot says, with Super Dave's new streamlined haircut, how much faster can he move due to wind resistance being lowered? Well, yeah, at least a millionth of a centimetre per second. I've done the calculations. There's some fluid dynamics in there somewhere. Fluid dynamics? Liquid football. <laughs> uh, the thing is, if De Gea starts moving any quicker, if his reactions get any faster, he will start travelling backwards through time. Fact. Yeah, definite fact. Uh, that game was weird. The two West Ham goals... Where do you start with the defending for those two West Ham goals? Yes, well, n- not in the way that they defended it. It was it's pretty atrocious all round. I mean, the fact is, the guy's got a diving header from about three yards out, you know, so uh, that tells you the whole kind of mess there was for Vazquez's goal after, what was it, about 15 minutes or so? And uh, and then Diame's, no one made a challenge. No one did at all. And uh, and about 15 United defenders managed to turn their back on the shot. So it, it was a real mess. And, and you know, for United's part, Nice goal from Valencia. I mean, Kagawa's opened up the play very nicely there. He's done it a few times. Of course, he played almost the entire game on the left, got eight minutes uh, in the centre and was subbed off after after creating two goals. That's not quite true, though, because at the beginning of the first... At the, at the beginning of the second half, Fergie shifted Rooney out. I was thinking about this when you said sacrificing one for the other, because Rooney was having such a bad game in a weird... I don't... God knows what position he was playing. He looked like he was playing in a midfield three, basically. Um, Jones was ahead of him a lot of the time. But anyway, uh, at the beginning of the first half, it looked like he shifted Rooney out to the left and put Kagawa in the middle for, for a while. Longer than eight minutes, I thought, but... Yeah, maybe. Mm. I think it was more Kagawa drifting. But in any case, look, it's... Uh, that was, with just that conversation alone tells you all you need to know about the, the mess that is United's midfield. You know, we had Kagawa playing in at least two positions, one of which is definitely not his. Jones played the uh, entire game in a position that is not his. Really played out of position as well for much of the game as he had done the game before against Stoke when he had a decent game. I, I thought the, the hype around that was a bit overblown. Uh, and, you know, you start to wonder when is it that United will actually utilise their best players in the right positions. I mean, Jones had an absolutely fantastic game at centre-back not long ago uh, against City and then he shifted back into midfield where frankly I think he only does one thing well and that's Mark Space you know when he plays like a central defender in midfield he has, has a good game when he's expected to do anything else like break forward it's so mediocre it's just not worth it uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the, um, the the he had a fantastic game at centre-half, and then he had a very decent game at right-back, and then a pretty average game in central midfield, and that is the descending order of Phil Jones's best position as of April 2013, right? It goes centre-back, right-back, centre-midfield, and probably, like, if you can arbitrarily say playing as a centre-back in centre-midfield, it's probably, he's better at that than right-back, you know? But yeah, it, it, it's it's... The, the whole tactical tombola thing, the whole playing players out of position, there were three players basically out of position in the in the Stoke game, and it, you, you know you said last week that you called it at the beginning of the season, and really this is all about the fact, the two things, one, the fact that most of our wingers are out of form, 
Although definitely worth noting that there are the, the clear shoots of recovery in Valencia's performances recently. Anyway, the wingers are out of form and three into two doesn't go, like you said earlier, right? Those are, those are the two big problems with our, our shape as an attacking unit. And and I do hope that United uh, try and resolve this ne- in the summer to come and, and we think about the next season ahead because there'll be a bigger challenge. City will get out and spend, so Chelsea, Arsenal uh, look like they might have some kind of recovery who knows you know we'll we'll see they've certainly got some budget so you'd expect the challenge to be bigger next season Uh, i would be really really surprised if city are quite as bad as they've been this season but hey you know i'm pretty surprised they've been this bad so yeah strange things do happen another question on midfield since we're talking about midfield cleverly can't buy a game at the moment what exactly has he done wrong he has murdered the dog that was the replacement for the dog that was murdered by Nanny in November. Sir Alex is just having bad luck with his players running over his dog on the way into training. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, maybe cleverly try to punch him. Maybe, maybe cleverly has punched the horse of Continuum. Maybe that's what's happened. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, goodness knows. I, I, he had a very average game when he played on the left wing. Uh, but funnily enough, he's not a left winger. He's had some excellent games with Carrick in central midfield. I, I don't really know what's happened. Yeah, very, I mean, very true. And you just got to wonder what his future is at United if he can't get into the team this crucial game time of the season, you know? I'd kind of forget Anderson. He, he couldn't even get on the bench for either of them. I'm not even sure if he's fit or not, to be honest, Anderson. But then you have Hernandez, who barely gets a game either. I mean, there's there's a lot of question marks around the periphery, aren't there? As well as there being question marks in the team because there are so many square pegs in round holes. Still, you know, United will limp towards this title... Uh, Hopefully, uh, United will win it at Arsenal uh, a couple of games time. Could, could, in theory, win it against Aston Villa. I think that's unlikely, but you know it's probably going to be at Arsenal where United secure it. And then we'll see after that, because, of course, the edge will go out of the season. Uh, I'd be surprised if United put in any decent performances in the last three games or so. But, you know, we'll see. I don't know. I, I, I think last week we talked a lot about limping to the title. And we talked a lot about the trickiness of the fixtures ahead. And the fact is, we've got four four points out of six this week. And they were not easy games to, to deal with. So actually, it's pretty sort of effective. And we had some, some really good moments that weren't, that weren't, that didn't feel limp to me. So I, I think... I don't know, it, it, there's a little bit more life has been injected into this side in, in the last week than, than there had been the week before that. All right, let, let's make a prediction, right, uh, about the points status. So United got Villa, Arsenal, Chelsea, Swansea and West Brom, right? Yeah. And, you know, on paper, United beat Villa, West Brom and Swansea. Yeah. And that's another nine points. That takes United to 90. And then it's what can United get out of games at home to Chelsea and away to Arsenal, you know? Take two points out of those to 92, take four to 94, take all six to 96 and Premier League record. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think we're going to get maximum points between now and the end of the season. We, we had a question, actually, uh, which I can't find. I'm really sorry to say who it was that tweeted us, but it was like, are we going to beat Chelsea's record points tally? And do you care about that? I definitely don't care about it. That that's for sure. So long as we win the league, that's fine. And and you know the the record points idea was a I don't know it was a bit like a bit too soon, a bit of hubris really, wasn't it? Well, well, yeah, it was. You know, and and look, all things being equal, I think United could get another ten or eleven points out of these these five games to go, and and that would take United to ninety one or ninety two, which is an outstanding record. You know, that's really that's a really good points tally. Yeah, you know, really. And things, all things aren't equal though, because I think it will shake out that United probably do win the title against Arsenal. And if that's the case, I mean, of course, it depends on the result of the Emirates, but and elsewhere with cities. If that's the case, I think some of the steam will fall out, and and United will probably drop points, and we might end up on eighty nine points again. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, but you know it doesn't matter because the points total doesn't matter after you've won the league. That's the, the you know after you've won the league, go on, go on holiday, get on the beach. I don't care. You've won the league. Well done, lads. Look, fair enough, but it, it does matter in terms of creating a benchmark for what it was that brought United success and and whether it's likely to be repeated again, doesn't it? You know, if we finish the season on eighty nine points, which is quite, it would be a pretty poor performance from here on in but a pretty decent performance overall. It's exactly the same points total as United had last season, and we'll have an inferior goal difference. Yeah, but there's a point in which the numbers become slightly arbitrary because the acquisition of points only matters whilst you're acquiring for the, them for a reason. At the point in which you've won the league, the points have absolutely no empirical value anymore. So they, they no longer set any kind of meaningful benchmark because the season is finished. You have won... You can't win anymore. They don't give you another league. Fair enough. It doesn't really matter, does it? It doesn't really matter, but it's just an interesting side debate, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, look, you're right. You know, you've got four points out of those two games, away at Stoke and away at West Ham. That's pretty good, isn't it? Four points at, at what you'd say are two tough games normally, although two teams are not that far away from the relegation zone and one of them could still get relegated. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And actually, that didn't really turn out to be a tough game at all, as we suspected it may not last week um, because of how terrible a Stoke. Uh, I guess we should do some Twitter questions, right, before we move on to previewing what's going to happen in the Villa game. All right, let's do it. All right, at Yippers82 asks us a pretty easy question, I think. It might be Jippers, actually, but I'm, I'm assuming it's Yippers as in Yip Yap Stam. Do you agree with Gary Neville and Yippers' his assessment that David De Gea is now the best keeper in the league, or is it too soon? Well, it's probably too soon, but it's all coming together, isn't it? It's all coming together. I mean, if the performances in the last sort of month or so are replicated throughout a season, then you'd probably say yes. But Pedicek's an excellent season as well, you know. So I have to say, if I was picking a dispassionate choice for Premier League goalkeeper of the season, he'd be my choice. But De Gea is not far behind. No, and I think the resurgence of Petr Cech is the only reason that he's not. Joe Hart has had a conveniently terrible season. That terrible's harsh, but, you know, average season. And De Gea's just improved and improved and improved. And he's definitely the most fun keeper. But, you know, that save that Cech made from Chicharito the other day just goes to show that it's not just David De Gea that can bend the laws of the space-time continuum in order to make saves. And Cech is an excellent keeper too. But, yeah, as you say, there's just not much in it between the two of them. And that's wonderful because, you know, that would not have been the discussion 12 months ago would it no no it wouldn't have done and and hopefully the critics are are well in the background now and and eating their words of course it just all makes it more likely that Barcelona will put in a bid for the lad because uh, Victor Valdez has still not signed that contract and it's like Barcelona will be in the market for a keeper this summer hate to throw that one out there no no no! I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to stay at Man United for the rest of his career, forever and ever and ever. I, I don't really think that, but I don't like to think about the alternative. All right, talking of thinking about unpleasant things to do with the future, at John Blaze asks, If Sir Alex was to retire, would you be excited that United were starting a new chapter or devastated? It's a really hard one because, uh, look, there's no one better at winning football matches, is there? Right? He's won football matches after football matches, trophy after trophy, and you just can't argue with this. You know, the, the man is a trophy machine and he knows how to put together a team again and again and again. There's, he's without peer in being able to create and destroy and then create again. 
I don't like him very much as a man, you know. I think he's a hypocrite for his support of the Glazer family. And I think he makes some really bizarre decisions a lot of the time, you know, and especially when it comes to players. I think he has no clue whatsoever how to put together a new midfield, you know. It's almost as if... He got a great player, old-fashioned player in Roy Keane, and then lucked out on Skulls, Beckham and Giggs. It's almost as if that's the case, you know? Because everything since has been really trash, hasn't it? It has, but there were some pretty all right ones before that as well, it's fair to say, which he kind of put together. Robson, Ince and Keane, pretty good central midfield, wasn't it? It was, it was. I'm not sure I answered the question. I don't I don't see any reason for Ferguson to go yet. I think he'll go in his own time. Uh, I think the question after that is is who and what kind of structure. And, and uh, that's going to be really, really difficult for whoever comes in. This question isn't like, when do you think he's going to go? Or, you know, it's, would you be excited about the new thing or devastated that he's gone? And much as uh, I kind of, uh, your article where you debated with uh, at Tatiana MUFC about the strength of this United side. Uh, and I actually think you both made really perfect valid points which don't they don't actually run contrary to each other light is both a particle and a wave this team is very good and also has substantial deficits we have some aspects of mental strength and others of mental frailty and if Ferguson was to retire I would be both kind of devastated and really excited about what the future held just because it'll be a novelty if nothing else and and like I also have very complex feelings about Ferguson the man because whilst there are many things that kind of count against his character, equally there are things which speak well of his character on a personal level. Right, yes, there are. He's done a lot of good in the world as well as won a load of football matches, but he's clearly a very flawed character. He's basically King Lear, essentially. And and I can't believe we talked about the uh, Stoke game and the Robin Pan Percy goal without talking about that celebration. We went, went over to the boss, picked him up and hugged him. Ne- never the like has been seen before, has it? And not again, I would think, either. But Patrice Ever came out the day afterwards and said he wouldn't dare do that. <laughs> Too right, a knight of the realm, you know, almost knocked him off his feet. Look, I, I take your point, and you're, you're completely right, of course, except, of course, for your comment about the debate. I am, of course, totally and 100% right <laughs> in that debate, and everyone else is wrong, and that's always the way it's been. Yeah, clearly. I've been doing a podcast with you long enough to know that, Ed. At Aaron Sohal says, what's your favourite Punjabi sweet? Really good question. Now, I'm not a super expert on what sweet comes from where, so if any of these are not Punjabi, I apologise. First of all, I grew up with a profound love of the jalebi, which I think is like food for children, but now I'm a grown-up, I still love it, because it's like bright orange and it's sweet pastry in syrupy stuff. Amazing. The gulab jamun is a noble and true sweet. I'm very partial to a bit of barfi, clearly. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Um, And then my favourite in general is, I don't think this one is a Punjabi sweet, but it's definitely an Indian sweet, and that's a sweet puri. So like a a puri, which is then dipped in, in syrup. Thus endeth my sermon on Punjabi sweets. My, my local Indian, Southern Indian, so I, I think I'm well out of this debate. I, I like a barfi. It's not bad, is it? And talking of very sweet, hopefully it will be a very sweet night for Manchester United on Monday as we take on relegation, battling, scrapping, goal of the season scoring Aston Villa. Uh, the weirdest team in the league. Absolutely atrocious when they're bad, but they've definitely got some talented youngsters. And I have to be honest and say I kind of hope they stay up because I'd be very interested to spe- see what they're able to do next season with a bit more experience. 
Right, well, three wins in the last five league games, you know, that's that's not bad, is it? That's not relegation form, for sure. So, they're definitely on the up curve. It's, uh, you wouldn't say this is a banker for United at all anymore, because, because Villa are playing, you know, some half-decent football at the moment. Funnily enough, they've actually scored more goals away from home than they've scored at home. They're an interesting side in that respect. Their form is a bit of an odd one because, as you say, three wins in five and they really were on a very significant uptick, but then they didn't beat Fulham at home could potentially be disastrous for them because that that was three points they really, really needed because their fixtures are a bit of a pig, starting with the fact that they've got to play us. And even though it's, it's not a banker because United's form is anything but splendid, the fact that we're at home and... Apart from the City game, we've been pretty difficult to beat at home, haven't we? What have we, we lost two games at home, right? We lost the Tottenham game and the City game. And that's it, yeah. And scored plenty of goals uh, in those games too. So, you know, look, you'd say that United are, are comfortable favourites to take the tie, that it should be a good victory for United. But let's let's face facts, right? United haven't played consistently well for quite some time now. There's been a lot of games, OK? Played well in parts away to Madrid, also just defended in parts played well in parts for the home game against Madrid played well in parts against Norwich at home you know I I think the result in a way flattered United because of a lot of late goals really haven't played well in any of the fixtures since then played okay at Stoke but you know I don't think it was better than okay I'd, I'd take issue with anyone who said it was and so this is not a United team that is flowing at the moment. Functionally, can we win? Definitely. Do I see United sticking six or seven past Villa? Absolutely not. I just don't don't think it'll happen. But but will United do enough to win? I think so. Yeah. It's been a fascinating season. Uh, in terms of good games. On the 7th of October, we beat Newcastle United 3-0 at Newcastle, and that was a pretty complete performance. We beat Wigan Athletic 4-0 away, but that one, I mean, it wasn't, you know, I seem to remember maybe did did a lot of goals come late in that game. We beat Fulham 4-1 in the FA Cup, but that that Fulham side, they were staggeringly, appallingly bad in that game. I don't know if you remember that one. Right, yeah. Norwich, we beat 4-0, but that all happened in the last 10 minutes after they were exhausted and they sort of gave up when the second one went in so it's not like we kind of battered them from start to finish and you know there's been no other game this season where we played consistently well I mean I I think the derby away at City was probably our best most complete performance of the season but there were substantial periods of that game where we were really under the cosh because City got it together and were excellent for a bit you know I don't think, in terms of just pure quality of football that United played, I, d- I don't think it's been a classic season by any stretch of the imagination. Yet, we could still end up with the biggest points total ever in the Premier League era. And of course, we know that football has only existed since the Premier League was formed. So, those two things are highly contradictory, of course. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of true as well, isn't it? You know, I, I don't think anyone is going to think this is one of the great United sides by any means. There needs to be a little more stardust in there. United have gone very, very functional after Christmas and needs must I suppose and and that's what I was saying about Ferguson being the you know, the man who pulls out the results and pulls out the trophies he kind of knows when to make the change doesn't he and we've seen this quite a few times over the years where United have gone a bit functional when necessary you know and, and this team needed to do that and as a result the I think we'll end the season feeling a little bit like meh about a campaign in which we'll have won the league by a substantial distance and that that is a bit odd isn't it 
It is. I think I'm probably going to end up not feeling that meh about it because the stuff that's kind of meh, I can just sort of discount for a bit in the the shiny glory of victory because it will all feel a lot better when somebody lifts that trophy up, you know, if, when and if. And I will be, you know, texting, emailing, calling, Skyping and carrier pigeoning every blue I know just to tell them that as well. I want us to win the league as quickly as possible, but I secretly hope that we win it at Chelsea at home because an extremely kind Rankcast listener has got me a ticket for that game. To come on Monday, why? How many games have there been on Monday night? It feels like there are a lot. Yeah, it's a couple of weeks in a row. I guess we haven't really done any actual analysis of what is to come in that game, and we probably should before we finish. Villa really stumbled against Fulham. They've they've been very extremely mixed side, but they definitely have potential to hurt teams. Benteke will cause problems, and you know we saw Loughton's wonder strike, which was his sort of second version of that of the season. So they, you know they have got firepower. Vyman caused us all sorts of problems in a game that seems like a million years ago at Villa Park, where we had to dig in, and Chicharito came on and and won that for us. But yeah, what what team do you think Fergie will put out for that one? I don't know. I mean, spin the tombola and, and let's see what pops out. There's a couple of players that appear to be in favour at the moment and, and some that aren't, you know. So who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what formation or team you will select. I mean, he'll, he'll look at how fresh the players are and, 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 and make a decision based on that one. You know, you'd, you'd expect a couple of players out of position, wouldn't you? Because that's just what happens. Interesting, I wonder how close Paul Scholes is to playing again, because wouldn't you just like to see him at Old Trafford one last time? It might not happen, you know, it might not happen. Don't say things like that, Ed, on near the end of the podcast where we can't recover from it and get all upbeat again. Too sad. Okay, let's get upbeat again. Bebe has been playing really well for Rio Ave. gave an interview this week and said... It is not his fault that the the price was the price it was. So it's seven million or about three pound fifty to Guimaraes and the rest to Jorge Mendes. I'm not saying that a brown envelope found its way to Ferguson at all, but that was definitely a dodgy deal. Uh, it then goes on to uh, basically suggest that everyone since Cristiano Ronaldo in that winger position has been treated unfairly. Says this happens to Nani often. Ferguson often finds fault with him, probably because he feels he could be at the same level as Cristiano Ronaldo. Of course, Bebe, that's the problem. You just haven't hit the level of Cristiano Ronaldo yet. Otherwise, everything would be wonderful. Yeah, a couple of different takes on that Bebe interview. <laughs> Some feel that his quotes may have been taken slightly out of context particularly the one where he sort of bragged about Megan Ryan Giggs uh, apparently that was that was said all in good fooling uh, by the young man who we all wish well Bebe imagine Bebe playing for Man United as if such a thing could ever happen well we do need another winger next season don't we <laughs> we do Zaha and Bebe one on each wing perfect I'm not equating Zaha and Bebe in terms of level before anyone thinks that I am so, predictions against Villa. Comfortable 4-0 win to Man United? Yeah, I'm going to go with a comfortable 2-0 win to Man United. All right, I'm going to go with 2-1 to United. little uncomfortable Monday night action for us all. And then relief in the end as we gloriously and triumphantly limp on towards league title number 20. Long may it continue. Very optimistic of you, Paul. Did notice one of our friends on Twitter, Howard, retweeted a fact from Uberfacts. Apparently, men who watch a lot of porn are naturally more optimistic. Just just saying, Paul, you know. And that, that is ironic in my case, it has to be said. Talking of Howard, by the way, I believe it's something along the lines of two weeks until uh, he and a, his good lady tie the knot. And so a heartfelt congratulations from us over here and, and good luck with all the build up and all that stuff. And we hope it's really good. I think it's uh, I think it's the day before the Swansea game or something like that. Right. I think that's it for the show because I can't talk anymore. 
If you want to get us between now and next week, you can get me at UTD Rantcast. You can get Ed at United Rant on Twitter. Get us both at facebook.com slash United Rant. Did we get 100 likes, Ed? You didn't count, did you? No. We'll do the 100 likes competition again this time. This time, Ed, look at how many likes we've got before the uh, thing. If we get 100 likes on Facebook, Ed will pretend that he didn't look at how many there are and not have to post anything any ever at all. You can get us both at cast at United Rant if you want to drop us an email or hit up the show page at unitedrant.co.uk where you'll also find excellent and interesting content from a variety of writers, including your good self, Edward. I I do, on occasion. And talking of Bebe, as we did, once again, if I may get a little sentimental, the beautiful baby Harvey came into the world this week and and it was absolutely lovely to see Ed and, and really, really happy for you and Mrs Rant and wish you and her and him many years of happiness in the future it's only down to united though that's that's our happiness that's what's right it's riding on you know one more red in the world but it's going to be a happy red or a sad red don't worry he'll have his uncle paul to teach him about how not everything in the whole world <laughs> depends on manchester united honest uh, of course and on that piece of nonsense we'll bid you farewell farewell